0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Unordained, the skeptics podcast that's hosted by ex-ministers. Um, my name is Catherine Roberts. I'm going to be one of the hosts tonight. And I have my other host with me, Ashley. Hi, Ashley.
1: Hi. How are you? Doing? How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm doing How are pretty you? good. Have you seen the movie Pray Away, Ashley, on Netflix?
1: I have. I yeah. recently watched it. it yeah. Shocking.
0: It wasn't it? I cried like a baby, especially at the end of it. Um, yeah, our, our guest today is going to be uh, speaking on conversion therapy. He's actually a survivor of conversion therapy. And uh, so why don't I let you go ahead and introduce him and I'll bring him into the room.
1: Okay. Mark has a doctorate in global management and wrote how to care for our people. Mark is a survivor of conversion therapy. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark.
2: Hello. Sorry, I was on that mute.
1: No, that's no problem. (laughs) Yeah,
2: so uh,
0: Ashley and I were just talking about um, how how thrilled we are to have you here, for one thing. Um, I know this is probably not easy for you, but it's so so important, and uh, we really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, and uh, greetings from the United Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> it, um, yeah, it's just after to 9.30, and um, yeah, I've been looking forward to this since you and I talked about coming on board and doing it.
0: Me too, Mark. Um, have you seen the show? Have you seen the movie?
2: Yes, I have. Um, and it, it made quite an impression on me. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like um, I've been walking down this path and all of a sudden somebody came and stood right in front of me to make me stop and go this is your time this is the moment that you need to look back mm. and you need to take stock. you need to do a little bit of reflection and then most importantly you need to tell your story
0: good well we're glad you're here to tell it here
2: Thank you. Um,
0: so where should we start mark
2: yeah so I give you a little bit of context yeah, um, absolutely. So, so although because um, it just helps with the setting, the story, and where the story actually happened. Okay. So, um, I was born here in the UK, but my parents went to live in Cape Town, South Africa. Um, in the in the late sixties, and obviously I went with, um, and I did all my schooling, and um, and I returned back in nineteen ninety five to the UK, but the story itself really takes place in Cape Town. Now, South Africa. Um, then and probably still now is a highly patriarchal society. It's where masculinity is hugely important. It's about being a man, and it's associated with dominance, with being assertive, and being aggressive. Hello, all the things I'm not. <laughs> so uh, and so that is the kind of society very much um, that I was living in. And when I was about five years old, although I didn't realise at the time, my mother had. Uh, a relationship with another woman and uh, when it was found out she uh they decided that she would stay in the marriage because then you didn't have another choice really um and she wanted to make that marriage work and so she went on a journey of seeking redemption Mm. from this uh um gay life that she had touched on Um, with this relationship, and so she wandered about for a little while, she went to the Catholic church, and she didn't particularly care for that, Uh, she joined the Jehovah's Witnesses for a little while, thank goodness she didn't really like that either, Um, but then she found her way to the evangelical church, Um, the Assemblies of God had recently come to South Africa, um, and she found her way there, and my parents went along, and they were saved, Jesus saved them, and they became very involved um, with with the church, um, and they were fully invested in it. In fact, so invested that in 1973, when Billy Graham went to South Africa and did a grand tour to reinforce um, the evangelical movement, uh, they were very much involved in making sure that he was there and organizing help to organize that um, tour of his and going to near where we lived. Um, And they were very involved in that. Um, And I do believe that when she was there at that moment, her own conversion therapy started. Mm. I remember as a child and as a teenager, hearing her praying and begging God to take this away, whatever this was, I didn't know what this was, um, but to take this away. um, And that, that happened regularly, that happened daily. Uh, she lived in terrible turmoil.
0: Wow, and you didn't know at the time
2: what... And you- I did not know that at the time. So against mm-hmm. this background, I now turned six years old and I'm at my uh, favourite aunt's engagement party and she's getting married later in the year and I say to everybody, oh, hello, when I am older, I'm also going to marry a man. <laughs> well, I'm sure that mm-hmm. most people didn't even take any notice but my mother's teeth must have flanned out because she really went on the rampage to make sure that I was that man, that man that I talked about, you've got to be a man, you've got to be dominant and you've got to be assertive. And so that kind of language was talked at me every day, as well as that God loves you and you must pray and you must pray and you must pray. Um, And uh, if I did anything, if I actually sat in a certain way, my leg would be moved, because men didn't cross their legs like ladies. Um, and if my hand went up, there it, it was always a hand to gently move my hand away um, from any particular seats, you know, having a um, what was considered gay. Although yeah. at that stage, of course, I didn't know what, what any of that was. No. Eventually, we moved off to the Methodist Church. However, <laughs> the Evangelical movement didn't know any boundaries, so it followed us there. And so I was still within that whole movement, and still. Um, surrounded by that thinking both within the church but then also this patriarchal society that we also lived in so I was getting a double trouble and so really the message that I was getting at both church and non-church was very clear and that was that same-sex as attraction was vile and that it was to be loathed um, and now I'm different yeah, and I don't know I'm yeah. any different to anybody else, and I'm being bullied relentlessly at school, and I'd say practically every day. Wow. Um, and I was told that I was gay and that I was dirty. Mm. I didn't know what they are talking about. I had no clue what these children were talking about. That I'm gay. And when I, when I started to discover what that was, and that I actually was attracted to other boys, um. In my head, I had now got this message that it was wrong and I needed to do something about it. And so the teachings of the church become even more relevant because now I've found a way out. Ah, if I pray, (laughs) and I pray every day and I try really hard um, and I think about good, wholesome things, I can be saved as well and I can lead a straight life. Wow. And, and this is terribly um, for a child. Um, actually, it's quite shameful, really. Uh, and yeah. and that, was, that was the time and that was the teaching. I joined the youth group as, as a young teenager and I felt somewhat accepted. And I started to um, realize more and more about being gay and well, not that I knew that word. Um, and uh, and the voices in my head were telling me that it was wrong, and so yeah. I really did work incredibly hard. I really did. I tried. I yeah. tried really hard um, to be straight because being gay meant that I was completely disqualified from God's love.
0: Yeah, that must be such a an internal struggle to you know to feel one way and then to have everyone around you mm-hmm. tell you that it's the wrong way to be.
2: Yeah, it's a battle. There's this battle between um, God's love and uh, Mm -hmm. faith and sexuality.
0: What was your Christian uh, views at the time?
2: I suppose terribly mixed. Yeah. Between a God that was loving, but also a God that um, was a father. And Mm -hmm. I lived in a society where fathers were and where men were men. Is what they used to say. Yeah. Um, and so it was about being dominant. It was definitely about being assertive. God was that type of, he was a man, he yeah. was a man's man. Right, he was right. the multiple advert yeah. man. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it was definitely a, um, a a belief that if I, but if also that if I just tried hard enough, I could make it, I could, mm. it would go away. And actually that I could change I could change by faith. Yeah. So it drew me closer in a sort of bizarre way. It, it drew me closer and closer um, to what I believed to be God, but actually, below just to a theology, um, to a belief structure. Yeah.
1: Um. Since you said that your mom was a part of the fundamentalist evangelical world at that time. I'm assuming that you went to church with her regularly. Were you ever pushed or even on the flip side, willing yourself to go through altar calls or uh, give get, try to give up this feeling during worship, you know, because that, that world is very mm. much about that that hype and trying to return back to that high and so you have to go back to that low again and then seek that high out again and so like what was that cycle like for you and did you partake in that
2: yeah absolutely and and initially uh very much pushed into it without without naming the word that oh you were suffering from gayness or that but it was about the fact of um, that if you went on that cycle, it's the recycle of redemption, isn't it? Then um, you can be saved and saved and saved all the time, every day. And that if you if you sin, then you can come back up again and then be saved. And it is coming back up to that high through worship. Uh, well, what we call worship, or what they call worship. Um, yeah. And uh, so I experienced all those things: being slain in the spirit and speaking in tongues, um, all that gibberish nonsense that uh, goes with fundamental uh, Mm. evangelical church so for me it was like being on this roller coaster that on a daily basis which is why i believe that i could be saved Mm. and that could danis could go away This same sex attraction and also it's also pre-internet days we kind of forget those existed don't we where i can now pick up my phone and i can get information at my fingertip i was completely reliant on um, getting information from other what other people told me. So their interpretation of everything or what pamphlets I could read or what books I could read. Um, and they were all biased to the belief structure that I had found myself in.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so when you, when you finally came out as gay, how did that go over with your church and your family? Were you in church then? Yeah, I...
2: I got married okay. to a woman okay. um, in order to, to save my soul, I suppose. And it's really important to, to think that to be gay in the evangelical movement is to be dead.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: Yeah. And so, and nobody wants to be dead, right? Yeah. And you want to be, and I'm a sensitive soul, so I wanted to be accepted, I wanted to be loved, and I never really felt that. Uh, because society were telling me that what I was and that you vile and get away. Um, and so I felt a bit like a leper. Um, and i always felt that I was on the edge of the group, that I was never really one of the group. And so I thought, well, getting married may help me. And it actually will keep me on the short and narrow, right? Because then I am enacting my straightness.
0: So when you were... When you were, how do you say this, trying not to be gay, um, yeah. were there ever any times where you felt
2: like it was working on some level? So I think, I think when I got married, it became something that just became so much easier. Mm-hmm. I could enact it and I could do it. And so I didn't really, after that initially, I didn't really think too much about it. And I thought, okay, well, this is conquered. Wow. And then my mother died. I must've been married just over a year and my mother died and she was 49 years old. Oh. And I honestly believe that she died so young because of all the stress and the strain of trying so hard to be a straight woman and not be uh, the lesbian that she was. Um, I kind of stepped back for a moment and thought, ooh, is that what you really want? Mm.
0: Um,
2: she struggled. And do I really want to struggle. And so I stayed married. And then I met somebody. Oh. And I had a relationship um, with David. And he was then a Church of England pastor. Uh, he was married himself. And it was a um, periodic relationship but actually what it did was it opened the door for me it it made me really think about who am i and um and and what what is it that i really need and what is the life that i need to be and who is mark who's the authentic mark who's the real mark Mm -hmm. and at some Mm -hmm. stages is going to mark is going to have to do something but that kind of worked for a while that kind of um yeah, and remember that I could go on the roller coaster, right? So if I did anything, I would just ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. and um, and then do the pie <laughs> again, and then be resaved uh, all over again. That was the theology. Yeah, and just try harder, and just try harder, and it would last for a few months, and then um, somehow we would get together, and and then the relationship unfolded.
0: Did did we touch on the extremes, because I, I know that uh, for a, a lot of gay Christians, it's, there's almost a desperation to not be gay. Um, so what, uh, and conversion therapy, of course, can run anything from, you know, somebody telling you to act more masculine to, you know, shock therapy or whatever. What, you um, What extents did you go to in order to try to pray away the gay?
2: And so when I was um, a teenager, I must've been about 16, 17, my parents then thought that I should get some treatment. Um, And I had some shock treatment. It didn't go on for very long um, as some treatment. Um, I realized the other day that that's why I don't like going to the dentist. (laughs) <laughs> no kidding because they it's because they used they put things in your mouth in order for you that you didn't have any burn marks on your body especially oh, because I was then attending school afterwards <laughs> um yeah i mean i learned hollywood level of lie i mean i would have had an oscar for it because um if, if you said that you were okay and that you were fine then you didn't get it so i, I realized it really wasn't working but i I allowed other people to think that it was working. It's, well, it didn't have its desired effect, but it had, its, yeah. it had the effect of, of um, making me learn that um to tell a damn good lie. Yeah. How many times do you think that you actually went through that? I think it was a, a cycle of three. By the third, they thought, gosh, this is sort of like miraculous. Because um, mm-hmm. yeah, I could have been the poster child for the success. because That's what, they, wow. that's what I lived in but it's what did it consist of?
1: What, did they show you images of males and then do the shock therapy?
2: Yeah so you, or... you go through a, a series yeah you go through a series of seeing images um, and then um, images of men and then being shocked and then you see images of women and then there's no pain. And of course that's the whole thing about that <laughs> um, watching men <laughs> is painful. As a child, I'd never, well, by then I'd never seen any, um, I had no uh, images. I'd never seen any images. So um, it was a way of getting a bit of pornography in. <laughs> As a 16, year old. Um,
0: I wasn't expecting you to say that,
1: Mark. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I, I, think, I think the most that I ever got was, I think about that age through the mail came these um, catalogs and it was, you know, the underwear catalog. Was oh, my, yeah. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: Wow, so you fooled, the, you fooled the
2: people around you, but I would imagine you never fooled yourself. You always knew. Well, yeah, I think this is where it's sad though. And it's a piece that I need to reconcile for myself is that I fooled myself as well though yes i allowed myself to be filled but i actually had filled myself that it was working and i avoided gay people um and i may have met others in the church but of course i didn't know about it because they would have been as scared as me right and hid away as much as i did yeah um and so your wife never knew but you're then same sex attraction. was. yeah, so she she didn't, but we went went away on holiday and she asked me this question, are you gay? Really? And yeah, and in that split second, I had a choice to make, to bid for freedom or condemn myself forever, hold your peace. And so I said, yes. Good for you. And I, I just felt a relief, not just in my head, but actually over physically over all my body. I felt this <laughs> immense relief. Um, but that of being that first moment towards being authentic, I mean it came at a price. Oh, I it, really did. it came as a price for both of us and for my marriage and for and for her as well to give up um, a thing that she believed in and that she thought was, and that it actually was a lie. And as I said, because she never knew. Um, we did go through this moment of um, a bit of therapy, right. counseling, um, right. and, um, and I gave it up eventually, but they said to me, you must go meet this Brandon. Um, he, he's in a, a married, an ex-gay, and, um, and I got together. I had coffee with Brandon. Um, I'm going to swear right now. because Go for it. He, he, <laughs> spoke, he spoke such shit. Yeah. And the worst is I knew it was shit. Yeah. And I so badly wanted to say to him, you are so mistaken. So if Brandon, if you're listening, <laughs> um, yeah, I hope, I hope that you found your way to freedom too because he, he had just got married, um, and in asking him, and, it, and again, I had the whole spiel about, well, you know, if, if you pray every day, and, um, and of course, it's your choice. You can go and be gay, but um, then um, you, you will never see the eternity in the kingdom of heaven. That's, um,
0: that's what, that was, that, that,
2: that was his view? That was his view, very evangelistic, very, very fundamental evangelistic um, thinking. And I, I remember thinking, then so be it, because be I'm him. on the other side now. I've already moved on the other side, but I did find it very hard. I found that moving over um, to be authentic, Mark, incredibly difficult because I just lost everything. I lost my marriage. Yeah. I lost really my home. Uh, I lost all my friends because everybody, <laughs> I, was, I was certainly now, Um, the outcast um, backslidden so my story I always think of it as the story of two conversion therapies yeah one that is a survivor but sadly one that died in the early days when it was really hard um, it was what I held on to was the fact that um, I'm doing this for you I'm doing this for both of us I'm finding freedom for both of us Um, And I'm kind of taking you with me on this journey because this is the life you were supposed to have too. It really was, it it was painful to watch her um, try so hard to um, be who she was not. And that's terribly sad. It is very sad.
0: Um, Did you get any counseling or therapy for um, the shit that you went through as a, you know, a... A young gay man
2: who couldn't be gay but I did see somebody um, when I was still living in Cape Town who was fabulous she really she used a mixture of therapy and hypnotherapy a little bit of that in in the therapy session and she was very um, encouraging of me to make that to take that step and to do something with it so when I came back from my holiday where I'd been asked that question and I said, I've been asked that question. I could see her looking at me thinking, oh my God, what's he going to say he did? (laughs) And I said, this is what I did and the relief on her face. She said, right, now we can really start working. Now we can work. Now we can can work. Yeah, because now you're free. Now you're free. So oddly, at the same time, David also left his relationship. And in my head, um, I was deeply naive. In my head, we were going to be an item, and I would then be able to still have a link to the church. I didn't fit in. I didn't fit really into gay society because it was all very foreign, foreign to me. And I was already 28, and so I'd missed out this bit of um, gay life. And so it didn't. I was disconnected from it. Um, but he needed to go and explore that. And so now I'm really alone. I'm- all by myself, and, um, and actually found that just almost too painful. There's something about where I was living in the city that I'm living in, it felt started to feel far too claustrophobic for me, and just relentless in, um, in the messages. So even at work, somebody said to me, oh, do, do not tell people you're gay, you will never get a promotion. And I thought, this is it. I've just, you know what? I've always wanted to come home to the UK. And so I've got on a plane. I had one bag with me. That was all my life. Met, thrown into one bag and, um, and make that trip um, to the UK. And when I landed, I left. I believe that when I left, um, I was repressed. <laughs> and when I landed at Heathrow, 12 hours later, I was an openly gay man living an openly gay life. <laughs> in a very different
1: um
2: world. Yeah. Mark was I found my freedom, but I had to I had to move to find my freedom, but I did I did mm-hmm. it. I yeah. don't know, it was courageous, but at the same time absolutely necessary. So I think that was really my therapy. My therapy became me living openly. You
0: can <laughs> never underestimate the power of authenticity for sure. And yeah. it was courageous. That is To live authentically is to live courageously. I believe that because you really have to not care what other people think
2: of who you really are. Yeah, my life started at 30 um, and being who I am, it took me that long to get there, but I've I've never had to look back. I'm sorry.
0: You did not end up with David?
2: No. that 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 is where I that's where i was naive i think the relationship i thought was much it was much more for me than it was for him
0: mark your story is so freaking inspiring i absolutely love it i've been holding back tears the whole time you've been talking and that's the honest oh. to god truth tell me what your life is like now um do you ever look back do you go to church um have you ever looked back at the church life what what are what are what's your life like since being the authentic
2: mark eastwood yeah so i i met the wonderful simon um and we are married and we are we are the parents of a six-year-old pug called benton um we we've been married a few years now and um but together for about 12, 13 Mm -hmm. years, so uh, quite a long time. Um, He definitely is, uh, everything I'm not, he's um, relaxed and he is um, encouraging, he's thoughtful and um, he brings a a sense of balance to the relationship. He's also Jewish, so when I got married, I actually got married in a synagogue, Mm -hmm. Um, so no. In fact, I, I, I haven't even been to a funeral. Um, since, you know, <laughs> you're nine, done. You're <laughs> done. But no, i I did enough church for the rest of my life. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, I, and I learned. I, I learned. I learned early in, in my journey that actually, church was never going to be it for me, um, mm-hmm. because it's just too much interpretation. Even even if you then move into something that. Is is different. Um, it, it's still open to a lot too much of human interpretation, and so I would totally say agree. that kind of my church is in my own heart. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people make the assumption that I then have no faith. Um, well, you can make that assumption as much as you like. It's not my reality. Yeah, um, and I kind of have something. I do understand the concept of God, but my concept now is so different. Now it is much more that if if that is what exists, then it is much more loving and caring than, than we ever can really imagine.
0: Um, what would you say to the people, uh, for example, like in that show Pray way, um, who are desperately trying to pray their own gay way? What advice
2: would you give them? Just stop. just stop 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 the self-harm stop harming yourself and those around you and 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 my and my advice to ex-leaders is be ashamed be very ashamed um of of what you did in terms of being especially in the ex-gay movement yeah um and i'm certainly not a victim of this either by the way i am very much a survivor yes Um, i've never seen myself as a victim only ever saw myself as somebody who um perpetuated self-harm but was able to walk away and and just think about is this really what you want to do for the rest of your life how much of a struggle do you want
0: yeah well mark i've only known you for a few minutes and uh I, i i know that you are you know um authentic and real and uh yeah it's I, i'm just I'm thrilled to have met you. I am thrilled to have met you.
2: Thank you. I'm thrilled to have met the two of you too. Thank you. yeah,
1: uh, thank you for feeling comfortable sharing that with us.
2: yeah, yeah
1: that it can't
0: it can't be easy. Um, I find um, you know, we were just talking about the the people who are trying to pray their own gay away, and I, I think one of the saddest things. In the world right now, is people who are listening to religious doctrine and trying mm. to squeeze their personality, their world, their worldview into that, and it's and it's harming them when they think it's helping, you know. And that's that that's my frustration with with um, with religion in
2: the first place. Yeah, which again is quite there's quite a lot of judgment passed on people, isn't there?
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Again, I just really appreciate you um, coming and sharing your story. I'm inspired. I am inspired to be more authentic myself. Thank you. We're going to say thank goodbye you. to you. And um, again, thank you so much. We have really enjoyed your story, and I feel like you're it's going to have an impact on on some listeners. So thank you very much.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you, Mark. It
0: was nice meeting you.
2: Bye, Bye, everyone. Have a nice
0: night.